Chapter Six of Vassar Studies. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Vassar Studies by Julia Augusta Schwartz. Chapter Six A Case of Incompatibility. Anne picked up the blue silk umbrella with the ivory handle and set it in the hall. Then, leaving her door ajar, she went back to the absorbing occupation of watching, with her forehead close to the pane, the exodus of students for the holidays. From her window in the north wing of the building, she could see the main entrance and a portion of the evergreen-lined avenue which led to the lodge. It was snowing heavily. Anne told herself that she was getting an impression, an impression in black and white of hurrying figures and umbrellas aslant softened to the requisite vagueness of outline by distance and the veil of whirling flakes anne's eyes however were naturally far-sighted and her window was not so high up that she was cut off from a view of the great door under the porte cochere for a genuine impressionist she scrutinized too keenly the individuals in the stream of humanity as she chose to call the girls trooping out of the entrance some stood a few minutes deliberating under shelter carefully raising umbrellas and bracing them against the wind before starting out at a dignified pace toward the electric cars tinkling impatient bells at the lodge gates now and then one burst from the door and dived into the storm on a blind little run grasping a skirt and holding a dress suitcase in one hand while spasmodically struggling to open an umbrella with the other occasionally a hack rolled noiselessly up the avenue with snow clinging to the revolving spokes and showering thickly back upon the road after a pause during which the outflow of travellers had almost ceased the door opened gently and a girl carrying only a small satchel appeared on the threshold in spite of a certain resolute stiffness in the lines of her shoulders and poise of her head she was detected by anne in a shy half-glance at the window while ostensibly scanning the weather signs with face upturned toward the infinity of softly falling flakes drawing quickly back from the glass with a suggestion of defiance in the movement anne stood looking until the other had disappeared behind the evergreens then although the girls had begun to sally forth again the impressionist after drumming restlessly on the sill in apparent oblivion of the silhouette still before her eyes abstractedly picked up a notebook and walked from the room the umbrella standing in the hall and set inside the room with a thump although in propping it against the wall her fingers rested upon the handle almost caressingly well she replied to some inward voice of course her hat will be ruined but she left this here herself as anne turned the corner of the transverse on her way to the library the main corridor seemed to lengthen before her like a long empty tunnel to her fancy with sudden blankness the two weeks of vacation stretched out into an endless procession of flagging hours all at once life became a desert of useless tasks and the vision of home appeared to recede hopelessly into the distance well said anne again to the inward monitor she has got to learn the inutility and poor taste of gratuitous criticism outside the library door when she halted mechanically at the bulletin board to read over the old notices she was accosted by one of the girls in travelling array why annalee what are you doing here i thought that you always spent the holidays with estelle and she left ten minutes ago anne turned her head as if her neck moved on a screw you were mistaken she responded coldly then unbending somewhat at the dictate of courtesy I have decided to remain here to finish a special topic. 
Oh, and run down to New York later, I presume. But don't work too hard. You look so awfully tired. Good bye and Merry Christmas. Of course, you will have a lovely time in New York. When you and Estelle are together, you always manage to get more fun out of life than anybody else. Wish her a happy new year from me. There, I must run for my car. Anne smiled in what she imagined was a sarcastic manner, but which was externally only a rather unpleasant drawing down of the corners of her mouth. Oh, yes, she was perfectly willing to wish Estelle every happiness except the pleasure of her society. That should be withheld until Estelle saw fit to repent of her attitude of gratuitous criticism. Though Anne was not altogether clear in her mind concerning the exact meaning of gratuitous criticism, it sounded enchantingly right, and Anne was fond of effects. An artistic satisfaction in the phrase sustained her in moral comfort, until, glancing out as she passed a window, she spied the black figures still trooping forth into the whiteness. Smitten with the query of why she had lost interest in the scene, she stopped short, and with a muttered, Idiot! walked slowly back to her room to resume steadfastly her enjoyment of the view as she stood there the hurrying individuals appeared to become mere black dots against the white they seemed to fade and grow smaller merging into the background and leaving only a limitless world of softly falling flakes anne recalled herself to reality with a mental jerk the spectacle was unquestionably glaring for eyes tired from study and the girl blinked a little as she turned away the umbrella leaning disconsolately against the wall roused recollections of Estelle's comment on New York winters. No wonder that she could not preserve friendship with a girl so hypercritical in every respect. And Anne sat down at her desk. On the shelf underneath lay a large scrapbook in which she pasted mementos of college events. Memory bills, the girls called them, thus escaping the pedantry of memorabilia. Some day it will be pleasant to remember these things. They were wont to meditate in a luxury of mourning over the swift flight of the present their college days named by so many the happiest time of life anne lifted the book to her lap aimlessly fluttering leaves clumsily with programs notes pressed flowers bits of ribbon blueprints and whatever else of interest could be fastened to a sheet of paper even so refractory a souvenir as an olive stone and almond shell glued side by side in memory of last thanksgiving day anne's eyes rested on this token distastefully Vividly came the picture of the long dining-room brightened out of its ordinary monotone of white tablecloths by many-colored flowers, and fruits, and shaded candles. Estelle had been sitting beside her, absently nibbling an olive with the speculative abstraction that always characterized her when pursuing an idea in oblivion to results. "'The trouble with you, Anne,' she mused aloud, "'is that you care only for surface emotions. Yes, that is the great flaw. You are a sentimentalist.' Anne recalled her own mental shock of amazement at such an interpretation. At the time she had answered nothing, because the president was just then rising at the head of the faculty table to read a telegram announcing the outcome of the football game in New York. During the night the criticism rankled in her mind. Many times before Estelle had pondered aloud over various traits of character, and once in their freshman year she had said half-seriously, "'I cannot decide whether you are really deep, or if it is only your manner.' with eyes full of laughter anne had replied what if you never find out it had struck her as the merriest of jokes now with her nerves painfully on the edge from the steady strain of fall work after a summer spent too ambitiously in study she was in a mood unpleasantly pugnacious and ready to take offence a spark of resentment was nursed into smouldering anger as she brooded over the gravity of the accusation 
the fatal defect of superficiality as well as the implied superiority on the part of estelle she knew that estelle had not spoken maliciously and of course she herself did not object to sincerity but estelle ought to learn that she had overstepped the boundaries of friendly forbearance and committed an error in infringing upon the personality of another with gratuitous criticism and so when unsuspecting estelle had come gaily into her room the next morning and with a little thrill of excitement conscientiously repressed hastened to cherish a carefully reasonable irritation over her friend's lack of ceremony catching the poise of head estelle had exclaimed oh you are cross and anne had responded scrupulously polite not at all then the caller throwing herself upon the couch while the hostess with an effort inwardly glowered at the dents given to the freshly puffed up pillows began oh dear it is such a bother to come thirty-five steps every time i want to see you i wish that we had taken the double room together for our last year here don't you think it would have been pleasanter because and she was smiling at anne you see we are pretty fond of each other there must have been a flinty streak in anne's self-love she turned deliberately saying in tones coldly distinct i am perfectly satisfied with the existing situation without looking she saw the deep red flush sweep over the sensitive face and estelle had gone out without a word that had been three weeks ago more than three weeks and they had not spoken to each other since beyond mere conventionalities at the table where they were both elaborately courteous for the first few days though struggling against a tendency toward self-condemnation and fully expected that estelle would understand how she owed it to herself to display a just resentment of gratuitous criticism she did not realize or more truly she refused to believe that impulsive estelle had not given a second thought to the frank outspokenness of thanksgiving day when at last anne permitted herself to see that wounded affection had roused estelle's pride in all its stubborn strength she set her self-righteousness to work to fortify her own position and anne was skilful in such operations now the holidays arriving found one of the two girls hastening away to the gaieties of new york at christmas time while the other with a splendid spirit of scholarly devotion clung to her books in the lonely college anne lifted slowly the page bearing the olive stone and almond shell the shell was a relic of a philopana which she had eaten with estelle it was to have been a give-and-take philopana the one who should accept anything offered by the other would be required to pay the forfeit anne glanced toward the umbrella it was always easy to catch estelle and what fun but recalling her thoughts with a portentous frown anne turned to her book and tossed it open at the first page at the top appeared an addressed envelope surrounded by blank spaces and inscribed underneath my first letter as anne's eyes lingered upon it she saw again the row of girls waiting in the lower hall for the mail window to be opened everything seemed to take its tone from the strip of gray rubber stretching down the long corridor the gloomy light of a rainy morning was struggling in through narrow windows rough low walls dull white extended in a cheerless vista a few men trundling boxes and trunks in every direction wore an air of melancholy resignation some of the faces in line had an effect of homesick dolefulness not until her letter was handed to her did anne notice that many girls by no means dismal-looking were flying in and out of the janitor's office lugging step-ladders up and down the halls busily unpacking trunks outside the doors chattering and laughing and falling on each other's necks in a way delightful to behold walking toward the elevator with eyes fastened on the written pages anne stumbled against another freshman who met her with apologies with the cheeriest goodwill 
i know how it is she said i received my first letter to-day isn't this the loveliest place and isn't it queer to see so many girls together yes responded anne gazing solemnly about her it is an impressive spectacle after staring a moment the other bent her head down and laughed a long time estelle said afterward that impressive spectacle won her heart then and there and as for anne herself she had never before discovered how easy it was to say funny things and how pleasant always to be appreciated on the same page with the envelope was the invitation to the first reception for the new students an important little senior had escorted both anne and estelle who by this time were sufficiently well acquainted to be intensely interested in each other's tastes and opinions estelle had disappointed anne by not caring at all for the effect made by the dancing globes of the chinese lanterns which outlined the sweeping curves of the walk leading to the brilliantly lighted hall she would not even admit the peculiarly collegiate beauty of eating an ice upon a japanese divan covered with a baghdad under a cluster of palms with demoscenes in plaster life-size frowning before her while the dying gaul agonized on one side and the lao kuan writhed on the other anne had been fascinated by the play of color light and movement by the fresh curves and tints and expressions of pretty girls whereas estelle preferred to study the people who looked as if they had lived once during the evening the two girls made their way through the thronged art gallery into the museum and upstairs to a balcony where anne had discovered some mummies in delightful horror gazing at the shrunken skeletons she tried to work herself into an emotional realization of death her companion expostulated save your feelings for real experiences sorrows will sink deep enough without spading up a soft spot for them anne turned the leaf quickly even so early in their acquaintanceship estelle had begun to assume a censorious attitude and yet how pleasant the years had been as she looked back it seemed as if the two together had gone laughing like joyous children through the gliding days of busy college life one night while they were chattering light-heartedly as they climbed the stairs to their rooms one of the other students a woman who had reached the seriousness of maturity passed them with a half wistful you two always look as happy as daylight estelle sobering spoke to anne i never laugh all the way through do you adding after a minute but perhaps we ought to skip and laugh while we feel that way for we shan't feel that way long anne let the book fall shut in her lap while she leaned back to think there had always been that undertone of melancholy in estelle's temperament and many a refreshing dispute they had enjoyed concerning anne's tendency to blink the sadness of facts anne remembered that estelle had called her cheerful views the result of a shallow optimism ah well they had never agreed upon any point capable of discussion the daily history of their comradeship had all along prefigured a parting of the ways a certain day had been especially significant anne sighed recollecting off for a ramble on a may afternoon over the fields round a meadow through a grove with red partridge berries underfoot and flowering trees above estelle sitting on the moss ate berries while anne scrambled over the rocks after wild columbine when they strolled on estelle halted at a stone wall to announce that as she was tired of wading across ploughed fields and tearing through bushes she did not intend to go any farther anne moving forward said that she did not intend to go back so soon laughing a good-bye each had gone her separate way anne got up from the chair letting the book slide to the floor where it lay forlornly with one leaf doubled over and a programme pencil dangling from an edge only last sunday that disagreeable miss green had said at dinner that she was rejoiced to notice a less exclusive intimacy between anne and estelle such monopolies were beneficial neither for the girls themselves nor for the college 
anne had responded sweetly that she was willing to make any sacrifice in order to please miss green estelle looking white when anne spoke stole a glance at her studiedly expressionless face anne had just caught herself back from smiling at her picking up a brush at the sound of the luncheon bell anne stared into the mirror she did not care she was having a much better time than estelle yesterday she had watched estelle out walking alone and she knew from the languid way she stepped in spite of the attempt at vivacious interest with which she followed the flight of a bird and examined an empty nest under a pine that she was trying hard to pretend to be happy estelle was so dependent upon other people for enjoyment she herself did not mind solitude in the least in fact she preferred to spend the holidays at college in the welcome pleasure of her own uncritical society at luncheon the girls there were forty or fifty remaining through the vacation appeared irritatingly commonplace as though all the pretty and attractive students whose homes were too far away to render the trip expedient had been invited to visit their more fortunate friends anne thought the table fare particularly tasteless the oyster stew was cold and the beef was too well done a sturdy little sophomore sitting opposite ate so cheerfully and so much that anne longed fiercely to proclaim that the shorter our descent from peasant ancestry the more we eat when some one said that anne looked homesick and some one else volunteered smiling that estelle was away anne decided not to wait for chocolate but to begin work on her special topic at once somehow after she had settled herself in the deserted library with books spread open and fountain pen shaken into a favorable condition she could not concentrate her attention on the subject when she found herself reading the same page for the fourth time she resolved to rest for three days and begin with fresh zest on monday as soon as she was in her own room and it seemed unusually far away she seated herself at some mending she had once heard the statement that a bit of sewing is tranquilizing for nerves worn by mental work or worry anne lost faith in the speaker an overwhelming restlessness to escape from the monotonous brick walls urged to action as a safety valve as a glance out of doors gave no hope of open-air exercise that afternoon she determined to put her wardrobe shelves in order by the time she had piled all her gowns on the couch tossed a dozen pasteboard boxes into a corner and arrayed her boots and shoes on the bureau she felt more resigned to the prospect of walking down the long corridors when the gong should strike for dinner upon sitting down to rest she noticed that her skirt was covered with dust and she remembered that the last time she had held a house-cleaning estelle had lent her a white apron estelle herself always looked so sweet and domestic in a white apron she was winning and womanly too and undoubtedly she would marry some day of course she would be monopolized narrowing down her interests to the family circle there was a possibility of narrowness in her character for instance in her manner of studying she was bound so exclusively to details that she failed to appreciate anne's broad grasp of the subject in hand when they used to translate together anne always skimmed ahead through the sight reading while estelle plodded on behind wrestling with the difficult constructions estelle said that anne was not thorough at this point in her retrospection happening to raise her eyes and spied her own face rather grim in the mirror she said aloud i think you are horrid and then she threw herself down among all the gowns and covered her face with her best hat and cried saturday snubbing all overtures of companionship anne conscientiously divided her time between roaming through the cleared paths and reading a novel recommended by an enthusiastic freshman as good to distract the thoughts on sunday she gathered with the dozen other seniors stranded for the holidays to open the christmas parcels which had arrived the day before 
upon hearing that scarlet fever was prevailing in town she made it a matter of principle to walk in the two miles to church the musical part of the program she found far less effective than usual to soothe her into dreamy enjoyment the sermon she considered peculiarly inappropriate to her mood never since they first met had she and estelle lived through such a peaceful month no disputing no contradicting no ferocious epithets simply politeness on monday anne plunged into work with an intensity that brought her up short by saturday night and landed her in the infirmary with a furious headache and quivering nerves in the morning as she lay listless contemplating the sunshine which streamed in upon a jar of flowers she was fancying herself in the role of a martyr feeling rather vague concerning the grounds of her prospective martyrdom she decided to call it principal week after week she would be lying there ill perhaps dying while the bells would be muffled throughout the building and carpets would be laid in the corridors and the girls would move about on tiptoe whispering to each other praises of her character and ability and and heroism in upholding principle the principle of self-respect and church attendance and such things and then estelle would be sorry as anne did not feel eager to go into details with regard to the reasons for this grand remorse on estelle's part she was relieved to see the physician enter in a few minutes the program of the week had been drawn out one day like another breakfast rather tasteless study absorbing every faculty until the gong summoned her dazed to a hurried luncheon among girls who aroused an uncomfortable sensation of antagonism then a solitary saunter for a scant hour and reading until dinner-time found her without the energy or interest to change her gown in the evening she tempered her withdrawal from society by spending some time in the senior parlor silent over a book in a corner while the other girls were chattering and sewing and playing whist around her then conquering a nervous dread of dusky alcoves and recesses she started coldly unapproachable on the lonely journey through the long empty corridors to her empty room the doctor surveyed the girl thoughtfully she often knew more than appeared there crept over anne a sensation of restfulness from contact with a wholesome personality into her eyes stole an expression of beseeching of supplication for help against her own self-will what you need announced the physician is rest and a complete change i know that some of you girls think that vacations are given for the sole purpose of enabling you to do special topics but they aren't you hate the looks of the brick walls don't you and you have forgotten how to hurry when the gong strikes for breakfast you can't stay here this week where shall you go a light sprang into anne's face she spoke tentatively i have cousins in albany that will do anne looked disappointed isn't albany almost as quiet as it is here a change of scene will do you good don't you think the girl swallowed something in her throat that new york would be more of a change the doctor's keen look lost its edge in its personal interest anne's fingers were twisting in and out around the slender brass bars of the bedstead i shouldn't wonder if new york would be better by the way has your friend decided yet whether or not she will return to college after the holidays not return to college gasped anne springing erect and staring with dilated pupils while through her mind flashed a vision of doors flung tauntingly open and rooms desolate in their emptiness with a touch that was gentle in spite of its firmness the doctor pushed her back on the pillow there was some talk of passing the remainder of the winter in florida you know that she is a delicate girl anne had turned her face to the wall the minutes were creeping by one after the other the doctor had risen and so you will go to new york she bent to listen maybe i will go down the voice caught to to 
to see the opera tuesday morning in the grand central station a young girl was rereading a yellow strip of paper have decided to take the eight forty five tomorrow will bring umbrella anne a train was sliding in under the arch of roof one of the passengers stepping quickly held out a blue silk umbrella with a look square into eyes the outstretched hands received it anne heard her own laugh with a gay little ring in it oh you goosey philopena the other was smiling back into her face idiot you have forgotten to wear rubbers and anne did not mind the criticism at all End of chapter 6